Transforming a Nation. In this podcast, Janet discusses the church's role, mandate, and practical strategies for societal transformation. Be encouraged as Janet shares prophetic insights for realigning nations with God's original plan and their kingdom destiny. Hello, folks. I really just would like to ask you today, is your nation cursed? And how do you know that your nation is living under a curse, is operating, functioning under a curse where it should be operating under God's mandate according to his plans and his purposes, as we discussed last week. And so today we want to look at the legal rights as to a nation operating under a curse and how we can identify that and these legal rights, what claim have they got to the nation, how we can be free, how nations can be free. And, you know, we often we negate the power of a curse and its influence in a nation. We negate the power of a curse and its influence in our own personal lives. And when we are living under curses and certain circumstances continually rise up, we see a history of bankruptcy in a nation. We see a history of um, abortion. We see a history of death and suicide. These are national pandemics that in some nations, national occurrences that have actually become pandemics in certain nations. Uh, you can witness and you can see by the fruit of what's taking place in the nation that the nation definitely is under a curse. You know, many people in South Africa and many African countries, um, um, they're living under this curse of fear, fear of being um, attacked, fear of being robbed of their goods, fear of being um, raped, fear, fear, fear. And so if I identify just in African nations, particularly for the women, um, and many, many spheres, um, we see that the curse of fear is very, very real, and we see it's outworking um, and its fruit very evident. So never negate the fact and disregard um, the fact that you could be living under the curse, a national curse. And, and so it's God's desire today that the country be redeemed. It's God's desire that we come back and we restore and we witness as we uh, looked at our first podcast of this year, um, Building Back Better. So John 10, chapter 10 says that the thief has come but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Um, but God has come back to um, give a quality of life to us that we <clears throat> might all freely enjoy. Amen? And for us to freely enjoy life on this earth, to enjoy it to its optimum, to enjoy it um, in terms of our destiny as individuals and, and enjoy the mandate that God has given us as a nation and as individuals in that nation, our, our destiny, that which has been written in the book of heaven. Amen. And the enemy who is the counter, um, he is the one who is um, against everything that God has given us. Amen. He's the one against the books that God has, has um, written over the nation. He's the one, he's the anti-diakos. And that's what we want to look at today, the adversary. I mean, he's our adversary and he's come to steal. He's come to destroy that which God has written in the books of heaven over the nation and over your personal book as an individual today. And so 
What is the evidence of the curse? Well, very often it's frustration because it says in, in Proverbs 13 verse 12 that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Okay, Hope deferred brings a sickness to society. Hope deferred brings um, a psychological um, breakdown in society. Hope deferred brings um, a psychological breakdown to the individual. Hope deferred causes people to do things um, out of desperation that they would not normally have done. Why? Because the curse is working itself out in, in society and the curse is controlling society. The curse is controlling the economy. The curse is controlling the government. The curse is controlling um, uh, the social fabric of society. Families, look at the divorce rate. We have the highest rate of suicide in many African countries and, and um, rape and, and all kinds of gender disparity. And, and so these these um, incidents, these things that are taking place are the result of powers of darkness that are operating through legal rights and through the curse that disempowers. And that's really what a curse does. It disempowers you and it stops you as an individual. It prevents the destiny of your nation coming into its fullness. And so how can we really be free? How can we be free from the pains of disappointment? How can we be free from dreams which are deferred continuously? Um, um, in many nations, um, the the you know the particularly African nations, and because I'm from Africa, we see many young girls becoming pregnant as at the age of ten. These are dreams deferred. These are hopes for young women in a nation to reach their destiny. This is the outworking of curses in the social fabric of society. So by understanding that everything in the spirit realm has a legal right, and these legal rights affect the natural, and curses operate from these legal rights. We must understand today that a curse over a nation cannot just operate on its own. It says in Proverbs 26 verse 2, as the sparrow in her wandering, as the swallow in her flying, so the curse that is causeless cannot be alighted. Amen. The curse that is causeless cannot be alighted. And so um, the curse has to have a legal right. There has to be some framework from which it has to operate within. And this is what we want to understand, the legal rights over the nation. How can they be broken so that the effects of the curse can be broken? So the legalities lie in the spirit realm and one must know the workings. One must know that the adversary is constantly working in the nation. We are up against a personal adversary. We are up against a national, local, international adversary. And this is the enemy where he is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. And so we just thank Holy Spirit today that he gives us the revelation that as you are listening to this today, that you would have such a revelation of curses that might be affecting you personally, that might be even affecting your region. And, you know, my brother was involved in a terrible accident last weekend, and I was questioning just some activity that was taking place around this particular area where this motor car accident took place. It's a miracle that him 
and his family are alive today. And I was questioning satanic activity and what I had found out was that the satanists and the shamans, the sangomas, um, which is an African word for um, a witch doctor, um, had claimed this land, they had claimed this territory and blood sacrifice um, to the ancestors um, that every accident that took place would be a, a life to the ancestors for more power and these are the things that take place over nations and this is what we want to look at today in the case of Jeroboam how um, God had chosen King Jeroboam as the leader of the nation but yet he had resorted to these particular um, forms of control and, and it's these forms of control in a nation that are controlling our destiny and controlling us personally. So. Um, we, we understand the principle then of the adversary and the word adversary in the Greek is the antidikos and this word um, antidikos is one who is an opponent in a lawsuit and we have to understand today that even the books of heaven were opened and um, Satan brought legal rights against Job. He said um, before the Lord, um, I, if I curse Job, um, will you curse Job? We we look at um, Balak and Balaam, how um, B uh, Balaam was to curse um, 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 the Israelites, but because of the legal rights, he wasn't able to do that. Okay, and so we look at the legal right in terms of the curse, the adversary who has the who has the enemy chosen um, as, to operate in the natural as the adversary over the nation, over your particular circumstances today, and so he uses that which is legally in the spirit to operate against us, amen, denying what is legally ours in the books of heaven, amen, denying what is rightfully ours, and therefore we we cannot um, walk in that freedom as we should. But, you know, the wonderful thing about it is, and I saw that um, just in, I've seen that in so many instances in my own life, in my family's life, in various uh, situations in nations. Uh, Galatians 3 verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He became that curse for us. What is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And so what does the antidecos want to do? Okay, He wants to enforce the curse through legal rights. And there are legal rights over the nation that when we give credence and when we um, honor the ancestors, when we go into practice all forms of occult witchcraft, when we worship other gods and we just have to study the Old Testament concerning this. Um, Israel was constantly living under a curse. Why? Because they disobeyed God. Deuteronomy 28 uh, verses 1 to 15 says, if you obey the Lord, all these blessings will overtake you. But if you disobey God, all right, and how do we disobey God? We form covenants in the bloodline. We form covenants with organizations that are um, aligned to the anti-decos. For example, we find we form covenants with um, Satanists. We form covenants with various covens and various societies that one joins and before long we a little do we know that we're under a curse and that our nation is under a curse okay and um, how do we also know that a nation is under a curse 
Bible says, if you bless my people in Genesis 12, I will bless you. If you um, curse my people, I will curse you. You just have to look at that example. Um, I think it was two months ago in the Turkish parliament when um, a parliamentarian stood up and he began to invoke a curse, the curse of Allah against um, the, uh, the Israelites and against Israel as a no nation and he dropped down dead. You see, if you curse my people, I will curse you. And that was the curse of death that fell upon him. So we would hope that um, the Turkish parliament and that the, the Arab nations would learn from this and that we as um, Christians would learn from this example as well. So God um, sent his son Jesus because of what the old covenant could not do to redeem us. God sent his son Jesus to destroy the eternal power of that curse, to keep us in death and to keep us in destruction and to keep the effects of that curse from operating over our lives. And so um, we just need to understand the legal right in terms of destroying that curse. So the anti-decos, then the adversary that we have is anti, that's the word against, and decos is the rights. What rights does he have to operate? And this is what I've explained to you in terms of organizations, okay, that are aligned with demonic entities and that um, um, function from um, a demonic um, um, principality and the, the kingdom of darkness. So um, we look at um, every nation then and we look at the scripture that says in Isaiah 33 verse 22, it says that the Lord is our judge um, he, he is the judiciary. The Lord is our lawgiver. He is um, the parliamentary um, body, okay? And the Lord is our king, and he is the executive. He will save us. So God has put these institutions in power, amen? He is the one who set these institutions up to operate um, in the earth, to operate in nations in the earth um, for our protection, okay? That we might legally be protected through the judiciary, okay? That parliamentary bodies and lawgivers would um, motion laws and, and, and um, pass laws for the, the purpose of, of a nation living um, under these laws, for prosperity and, and for um, blessing, for fulfilling the mandate of the nation. And the Lord is the king. He is the executive. Um, he is the, 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 the head, um, the, the, um, the first one, if we can put it, the power of the first, okay, over the nation, the principle of the first. And so the king will have to answer um, to his executives. Yes, the king will have to answer to God himself. Because God, um, although man might have put him there um, and, and, and elected him into power, um, he's in the office that God instituted. God put that office in place and therefore he has to answer to Almighty God himself. And so we're going to stand before God. Many kings will stand before God one day and the Lord will say to them, what did you do with your nation? Amen. Why did you allow these things to take place in your nation and um, depending on, on um, their heart and depending on um, the, the state of their um, spiritual beings, if I can put it this way, the Lord will either say to them, I know you or I do not know you. 
So why did God choose Jeroboam in um, the Old Testament to be king? He's an example of one that was a capable administrator. He is a valiant warrior. He was able to stand up for the downtrodden. And, and the Bible says that the Lord is, um, he loves the poor. Amen. And the government is upon his shoulders. The foundation of his throne is justice. The foundation of his throne is righteousness. And so Jeroboam had a vision for the poor. Amen. He loved the poor. And the Bible says the poor will always be with us. Amen. He had administrative abilities so he could rule and, and he understood the function of his kingship and being king of the northern tribes of Israel. He was a valiant warrior. And as a king today, as the leader, uh, president of a nation, and um, whether you be prime minister and um, whatever the legal term for the nation is, um, uh, we see that it needs um, courage. It needs boldness. You need to be valiant. You need to be able to make decisions in the face of a government and um, your government um, standing against you and turning against you. Why? Because you're accountable to God and you're accountable to the people. And so here was somebody um, who, although he started off so well, what was the end of his kingship? Well, he turned away from God and he, instead of standing up um, for the poor and continue to stand for that which is righteousness and justice, um, he succumbed to evil powers. He succumbed to um, false worship. He succumbed to other gods. So the potential of Jeroboam was great. You see, God put him in that place because he could trust him and he knew his potential. But unfortunately, he succumbed to idol worship. He succumbed to the rulership of the kingdom of darkness. And so the scripture says in 1 Kings 13, 33 and 34, it says, After this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way, but made again from all among all the people priests of the high places. So he set men and women in high office, high places in the land, spiritual leaders in the land, which weren't, which didn't have a heart after God, but which were aligned to other gods. And God took this very, very seriously. And so in every nation today, there are leaders that consult with other gods. There are leaders that um, invoke spirits of darkness. There are leaders that have cut covenants with various secret organizations for the sake of staying in power. Instead of the welfare of the people, instead of social justice and, and the original call that God put leaders in office for is to serve the people, is to serve the nation, the well-being of the nation. And many times today, their own pride and their own financial success their own career opportunities are more important than the state, okay, and the heart of the nation. And so here, yes, Jeroboam, instead of staying the course, um, he actually attempted to bring about political and religious reforms which align themselves with the kingdom of darkness. And so we have many leaders in our nations today that are trying to bring about 
political reforms which align to tradition, which align to culture, which align to all forms of practices of the kingdom of God. And this is this then brings the nation under a curse. So this is why God took um, the state of Jeroboam and his practices so seriously. And it says here, that he consecrated them. He consecrated these men to be priests. He consecrated these priests to consult with other gods over his kingship. He consecrated these priests to um, activate curses over the nation. And this is what leaders of nations, this is what leaders, um, local leaders in, in local government of your nation today are practicing. And um, religious leaders are practicing for um, the purposes, instead of um, their hearts being turned towards God, their hearts have been turned to evil practices for the sake of other powers, for the sake of greater powers. Okay? And so... And um, this sin then um, had an effect and opened the door um, for the legal rights, okay, to operate against Israel and operate against the kingship of Jeroboam. God was forced um, to remove Jeroboam and his kingship from the face of the earth and to destroy it. And, and, and um, many times you'll find that scripture says, that sin um, is propagated and, and is carried down to the third and fourth generation. I know of a leader in South Africa that was practicing adultery and a, a, a very, very, very um, anointed, anointed, anointed man of God. One of the strongest revivalists South Africa has ever known. And unfortunately, the sin of adultery um, um, took his life. Um, and he married a um, the, the you know the harlot if I can use those words and they had a child and they were traveling one day um, along a road and and this the, the vehicle um, rammed into another vehicle and the whole family was taken out the curse took them out and I believe that God allowed this because you see the sin of adultery this great sin this man and um, he was responsible for a mighty mighty move of God in South Africa a healing revival that South Africa would have been transformed and um, the Lord allowed this sin to take him and to take the the following um, his generations and um, that would have been birthed and um, the Lord cut them short by um, the daughter being um, killed as well and so God takes these things very seriously. And so what is our responsibility as the church then? Our responsibility is to identify these iniquities of a nation. Our responsibility as leaders, as intercessors, this is why it's so important that we understand um, the principle of the curse. This is why it's important that we um um, have a look and, and we study the leadership of our nations. Um, perhaps there's a, a Hindu leading your nation. Perhaps there's a Sangoma. Um, for example, um, uh, there's a certain nation in Africa where the king is a Sangoma and he is the one who is leading the nation. And can you imagine 
Um, it's one of the poorest nations in Africa. Um, can you imagine um, nations where there's a history of tyranny and where there's a history of violence, where um, um, there's a history of the overthrow of the government? So when there's a history of the government being overthrown, when there's a history of tyranny, it's often because of the legal right in the spirit. And so kings, executives, army officers, whoever it might be, you will have found that they, some blood sacrifice has been made. All right? And these blood sacrifices are all because of power and all because of the acquisition and the need for greater power by the individual or by the ones, the, the organization who wants to assert their form of power. Okay, And so we trust God that we would have an understanding of these things in the spirit realm. Now, we see that when the, the scripture says that when blood was shed, all right, Jesus shed his blood for eternal sin. Jesus' blood was shed with the cancellation of death, hell, and destruction. Jesus' blood was shed to cancel out these blood sacrifices. But until we understand the protocols and the, uh, understand the way in which Jesus did this, um, the procedures in which we in the spirit realm as believers that have this kind of authority, as leaders who have this authority, who've paid the sacrifice, who've paid the price through fasting and prayer, with this kind of authority and this kind of trust over a nation. Unless we understand this and we have, God has put us in these offices, all right, to be able to um, take control, to be able to activate and, and release this, um, this judicial authority in the spirit realm, we will continue to witness this blood crying out from the ground. We will continue to witness this blood um, which has legal rights. If we look at Jesus' life, we see that many times the enemy came to tempt him. But because there was no sin in Jesus, there was no legal right, and the enemy could not have access to him. And so nations um, have access um, through legal rights over that nation. The people have access through the legal rights of leaders, through the legal rights of judges, through the legal rights of politicians. Um, and so we as believers today, I believe that God is has chosen the ecclesia in this day, the ones that understand the antidecos, the ones that understand the legal rights over a nation. And when you and I begin to um, um, gain greater authority in the realm of the spirit, we are the ones, the ecclesia, those that God has put in our various offices that gives us authority over our jurisdiction to claim back those legal rights from the enemy. So what we want to look at next week is how do we claim back those legal rights from the enemy? What is the protocol? And I'll give you some great examples of nations that have been changed, of situations that have been changed. Why? Because the Ecclesia decided to arise and um, draw a bloodline over the nation saying no more. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful week. And thank you for allowing me to minister to you today.